Coming up today on In the News, the beef with Earls, why Canadian cattle producers are grilling the national restaurant chain. And we had the opportunity to sit down with a new media company based out of Regina as they premiered their very first film this past weekend. Thank you for joining us. I am Kayla Gelman, and with me is Brady Knight for the In the News team. We took a little bit of a break this past month. We did, and uh, partially my fault on that in the middle of <laughs> final exams. Uh, I would which... say partially, Brady. I'd say, like, majority. Yeah. <laughs> final, <laughs> final exams, they tend to take up. Uh, a lot of your time and consume everything in your life for about a month but they're over now we're back ready to roll for the summer and uh, back with a brand new episode and going into this one Kaylee uh, we're we're gonna start with a topic today that I'm super passionate about Canadian agriculture that is a understatement Brady you're beyond passion you're not passionate you're angry about this you texted me about this a couple days ago and as soon as I saw this all I can think of is oh my god Brady is going to lose his mind. So basically what happened is last week uh, the national restaurant chain Earl's made an announcement that they were going to source all of their beef and uh, it now comes from only certified humane producers. And basically what that means is they are now going south of the border in order to get their beef that they use in their restaurants. It it sounded like a good idea at the time when you said you're going for certified humane beef. That idea sounds good, but there's more that's happening that's having the whole beef industry, everyone's just mad at Earl's kind of thing now. So yeah, there, there's basically a couple things. One, I want to note right off the top, there are producers in Canada who do produce certified humane beef. There are producers in Alberta where Earl's originally started up their franchise that produce certified humane beef. Uh, they say there's not enough in Canada, which may or may not be true, but there is certainly producers in Canada. Um, it's all a question of whether you're willing to pay the price for that particular product. But the bigger problem that the producers are having with this, and full disclosure, grew up on a farm my entire life. We had cattle up until I was in about grade 10, uh, just a small small herd, probably about 80 head or so, but still a huge part of my life, and I still go back to the farm quite regularly. But the, the main problems that producers are having with this is that Basically, by using only certified humane products, you're A, insinuating that every other farm and producer is not humanely treating their animals, which is completely misleading and not true. And it's also just encouraging this fear-based marketing that we're seeing more and more of. Uh, Case in point, antibiotic and hormone-free meat. And both of these are just extremely frustrating to the industry. Well, really, there there could have been a better way of handling this because one, you know, from from my view, I didn't grow up on a farm. I don't know a lot about the cattle industry and, and stuff like this. So when I'm when I'm seeing something that the Canadian company is basically like you're turning your back on Canadian beef and you're going down to the states, one, 
that is taking that's going to take its toll on these farmers and the work that they're doing to raise this cattle so you're hurting the farmers and that's kind of a slap in their face too you might as well say that they're not good enough for your restaurant so we're going to go down to the states like how would you feel in that situation knowing like this is what's happening no, exactly. And and that's a huge part of it, too. And it is a huge slap in the face. Canadian beef, I would like to believe, and I think many in the world would agree, is some of the best beef in the world produced. But I think you hit the nail on the head just at the start of what you were saying there in the fact that so many people just don't know enough about where their food comes from and how it is produced. More like it used to be that many people grew up on farms, now very few people do. And you don't have that knowledge and you're not able to make as informed of decisions because you're left with this vast vacuum on the internet that's providing all sorts of conflicting information back and forth. And you you just don't have that knowledge. And I think it's something that producers need to do a better job of. And I think they are in recent years doing a better job of trying to educate the public. Uh, there's many really good guys and uh, girls on Twitter now who uh, are farmers, are producers, and they do a great job of educating people on these subjects. But it's something that more more needs to be done. But it also falls a little bit on the consumer and also on the people in these marketing departments who are exploiting the lack of knowledge in consumers and using it to introduce this fear-based marketing and these scary buzzwords that nobody really knows what they mean. So what about right now um, on Twitter, a lot of people are using the hashtag boycott earls. Um, like a, a ton of people are mad. Earls is under fire right now for, for this decision. And although they're trying to say that, you know, as mentioned earlier, there's, there's not enough production here to meet their, um, their demand or, or we have our own kind of idea that maybe it's too expensive here, like those types of things. But now people are calling to boycott Earls over this. What do you think, Brady? Is that something that that should be done or is it, is it going to even matter to Earls if people stop going there because of this? Are they ever going to change this decision? Sadly, I think there's enough people who either don't care uh, at all either way or who like legitimately believe, hey, you know, it's probably a good thing that they're going to this sort of model that I don't think it's going to hurt business at all. Uh, there have been some reports since A&W did a similar thing back, I think it was 2013 when they first started introducing uh, antibiotic and steroid-free everything, mm-hmm. and they've been going off and doing that. And there have been some reports that A&W has actually seen increased revenue since then. Whether that is the sole reason or not, not totally conclusive either way. Um I think there are going to be a lot of people who just don't eat there. Um, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I used to always eat at A&W uh, as, a, as a kid. That was kind of like the go-to fast food restaurant for whenever our family did, oh, they, did they do that. Burgers. <laughs> they did. And, like, I didn't think that I would, like, I was very upset at the way they came out with that. And, like, it hasn't been an active thing on my part it hasn't been like oh i'm never visiting aw again but i mean come to think of it over the last three years i can only remember going back there once 
And I think it was when a group of people that I was traveling with stopped, and that's where we ended up stopping. And I just can't bring myself to go back there. And I so I think there's going to be a lot of people like that for Earl's that just will be like, no, you know what? I just can't get behind that. But do I think they're actually going to be hurt in the long run by it? I, I think the media storm will pass over the next week or so and in things will settle well, down. Yeah. And I, I don't think it's going to make a huge difference in Earl's as per se um, in the long run. Well, I think with this one, what's different about this one is that it's it's hurting. This one is actually hurting people. Whereas the A&W one is all just, you know, it can be looked at because we did the, we, we've done a past episode on the, the A&W and changing to the uh, whatever they did kind of thing. And this though with Earl's, this is actually going to start hurting the agricultural industry, especially in Alberta, um, in a place that's already really hurting and it's just going to do more and more damage. So, you know, this might hit people harder. And, um, you know, if it continues, maybe people are going to start voicing it more than they already are calling for change and it's just one of those things where i'm not surprised earls did this and they're certainly not the first to do something like it and they're most definitely not going to be the last people to do it but it, it just comes back to educating the consumer and right now, consumers are being educated by the marketing departments of major corporations and by uninformed, scare-tactic bloggers online and on Facebook instead of by the people on the ground who are farming or by informed scientists or anything like that. And it's all about the tone of the conversation and where that's going. And right now it's heading straight down this fear-mongering way. And I, I know I keep saying that. I just, I don't know what other term to use. And um, I, I don't know what more can be done to turn it around. It'll be an interesting story to, uh, story to follow to see how, how it takes shape over the next little bit. So recently, Kaylee had a chance to sit down with a local filmmaker, Brad Clifford, uh, from Migration Media House. They have a new project that they just released, just premiered uh, the other weekend in Regina called The Exodus Project, and Kaylee sat down with Brad to talk about it. I'm joined here with Brad Clifford. He is the co-creator with Arthur Ward of Migration Media House. Thanks for joining me today. No problem. Thanks for having me. So the Exodus Project, this is a local film by uh, a group of you guys that created this company. It's all about the prairie guys heading out into the mountains. Why did you guys decide to, one, create this company and to create the film? That's a good question. We, we thought about that ourselves, of why we decided this. And after the premiere on Saturday, we actually realized that it was just a group of friends that wanted to create something to inspire other people. To, do, uh, to go on their adventures and, and to pursue a passion. And uh, Arthur and myself are, are passionate people in, in this uh, area of, the, of, of networking and, and we just thought it'd be a great idea to, to set forth on, the, on this expedition and, and see what we could create. 
So can you tell me a little bit about the Exodus Project, the film that just premiered this past weekend? Yeah, for sure. It's it's a group of uh, <clears throat> excuse me, ten prairie kids that set off on, uh, on a journey to the mountains to pursue a, a ski film and to uh, to document the journey of, of traveling out west into the big mountains and being based only with prairie people. We thought that was something that had never been done. Um, and that's where the Exodus Project was born and we just wanted to document the journey. And what was the experience like overall for this, starting from the journey of leaving the prairie all the way back to the premiere this weekend? It's been a, a crazy journey and a crazy adventure. We learned a lot about ourselves and a lot about the limits that human beings are capable of pushing. Um, with the premiere, we had, had no idea what to expect, being this is our first major project, but uh, overall the turnout was, was very positive and a lot of close friends and, and family have, have, have come forth and told us what a, an amazing job we've done and as well as the, the community has really embraced uh, the Exodus project and we're, uh, we're pretty excited for the future. So you mentioned you had some good response from the premiere this past Saturday. What about um, the past couple of weeks? You, know, you guys have been really pushing on, on, especially Instagram, that seems to be one of the main media outlets you guys have been doing. How's the response been on social media? Well, being that we're none of us are really experienced with social media, we just sort of use it on our own personal accounts. We we didn't really know what to do there as well. So uh, with a lot of uh, research and <laughs> sort of navigating throughout that social media network, um, we thought Instagram was our number one uh, backbone for for promoting this. And I think we've we've all learned a lot in that category. Um, the, the response has been has been pretty well received, I'd say, in the last couple of months, at least the last couple of weeks. Um, like I said, there's a, there's a big learning curve there, and we still have a lot to learn with that, but hopefully we haven't annoyed everybody with our posts, and so far it's been pretty well received, I think. So going into the mountains, there must have been some kind of challenges along the way. Yeah, m more than I care to admit, for sure. <laughs> Do you want to go into a little detail about any kind of challenges, maybe any kind of um, experiences throughout the trip? Yeah, for sure. I'd say the number one challenge we had was just how many people we had. And we had a limited amount of, uh, of machines for with snowmobiling with, with vehicles to transport everybody out there, as well as all of our gear. Um, our sponsors provided us with a ton of, of merchandise and a ton of uh, products. So we had to somehow relay all of that into the heart of the mountains. And if anyone who's ever made a trip out there in a, in a snowstorm knows the, uh, the challenge that goes along with just driving there. Um, so that was our, our main objective was just getting there but it also turned into uh, probably the hardest challenge yeah driving in a snowstorm especially in the mountains isn't always the easiest yeah. so this is um, the first big project that uh, you and the company have done so far what was the process like for it uh, it was like I said it was it's we none of us had a whole lot of idea of what to expect going into this so the the main objective was, was to just get out there and get experience and, and basically get as many people as we could inspired with what we were doing. Um, but having inexperience with myself included with just transporting that many people, um, we had no idea what to expect. And, and I think from, from here on out, the, the number one thing we'll do is we'll limit the crew, but we'll have separate groups of people just so that way we can get more done and cover more ground and and just have less chaos involved with organization. So the premiere's done, it went over really well. What are you guys hoping is going to come from this now? 
Uh, well, like I said, we launched a Migration Media House on Saturday after the premiere. Um, the first film was very well received, and, and now that we, we sort of know what we're doing, we know what to expect. Um, we've already uh, gone into the process of making film number two. Um, I won't give away too many details yet because it's already been, a lot of it's been shot. Um, but it's going to be based more on the dirt aspect rather than on the snow, something that myself and a few other guys in, on this crew are very familiar with, considering it's a lot of it's uh, you know, our jobs and what we've grown up doing. Um, so that's, that's what to expect for film number two, and just more adventure, more, uh, more chaos, organized chaos, as we say. Um, that's what to expect in, in the films to come. Last question quickly. If people haven't, uh, weren't able to make it out to the premiere, are there other ways that they can see this film? For sure, yeah. We've uh, Arthur's already on it to get it up online, and uh, you can purchase a DVD copy or uh, a flash drive copy from him. Um, in the next couple of weeks, we'll be putting out social media uh, news where to where to watch the film online and, uh, and where to purchase it. All right, well, thank you very much, Brad, for coming on In the News today. We look forward to seeing how the film continues to grow, and hopefully we'll hear from you again about future projects. Yeah, thanks so much. Appreciate it. Alrighty, time for Hot or Not Kaylee in the news this week. Who is hot and who is not? Well, this time around, I don't think this is the first time I've done this, actually. I uh, I don't have a hot. I have two knots. Oh, man. It's just been... It, but, I mean, it really has been one of those weeks. Yeah, there's not really, not really a whole lot that's happened that we've found to be worthwhile to, like, really mention let alone anything that's been like, positive that's been happening. I feel like there's been a lot of negatives the past um, few days. And as much as it sucks to focus on the negatives, some of the ones need to be talked about, need to be brought and, up. And I think both of yours today are super important. And uh, both of them come from southern Saskatchewan. They do. The first one will start local here in Regina. For those of you who are not aware of it, Thursday night at, um, well, I guess if you can call it Thursday night, it was early, early Friday morning at the Pump Roadhouse in East Regina, right off of uh, Victoria, there was a shooting inside the bar. Now, if you don't know about the Pump and Thursday nights, Thursday's Thirsty Thursday, they get crazy, you know, like Brady, every once in a while, we've stopped in at the Pump on a Thursday it's cheap, dirt cheap, filled with university students. And there no, was and, a shooting there. And and it's awful. Like, A, it's awful that it was there. And B, it was, this was literally inside the club. And I, I don't know, I can't even imagine what it was like there when that happened. Well, going from um, uh, CTV News Regina has a good article um, that kind of helps describe what it was like well they say that there was a 22 year old man and a 35 year old man who were seriously wounded first i am surprised that is all for being a shooting inside a busy packed nightclub only two people i would have thought there would have been way more still obviously like absolutely horrifying absolutely like just awful that even definitely thankful there weren't more injured yes thankful that no one else was severe severely injured so they were taken to hospital um and are in stable condition 
I so far haven't heard anything more about it. A lot of witnesses are saying that someone said it was just like out of a horror movie. Uh, people are running around trying to get out, hiding under tables. Like the way they described it, that it just sounds horrible. Like I can't imagine being in something like that. And it's just, it's really disheartening to hear something like this happening in your, where you live in a place that, you know, you used to go to every once in a while, you know, full disclosure for those of you who know me, they, you know, I'm not a huge fan of the pump to begin with, (laughs) but (laughs) it was just never my thing. But I would go every once in a while if a group was going and, and still have a good time. But it's not, you know, when you're going out, doesn't matter what night it is, if you're going out with a group of friends, that's the last thing that's on your mind, that you're going into a place and you're not sure if you're going to make it home tonight. Well, and you should Sometimes be able to... you don't know to... if you're going to make it home to your house, but you know you're going to make it home somewhere. And you should be able to go out and feel safe. And it's exactly. really sad that this is probably going to set off um, a new look at security at nightclubs probably right across the province. Well, and, you know, we have the Dudney Strip that's filled with um, many different types of clubs, anywhere from a country bar to a nightclub-style thing. And and you hear lots about police are showing up for, for things like this. Lots of times it's fights that are happening. And I'm just wondering, can we not go out, have a couple drinks, go out dancing without it ending in a, in, in a fight or in something that involves police is that possible and it's really making me wonder what is happening nowadays that that you can't you just seem it seems like you can't go out to these places without there something happening and i know this isn't just normal to regina this is a thing that happens you know across the world and everything you know my hometown club would have police showing up there all the time too these things happen but why why do these things have to be happening? If you can't control your alcohol, then don't go. It's it should a, be as simple as that. A really sad situation. And as you said, one of those things where you should be able to go out and have a good time without having to worry about that sort of thing. Uh, but your second thing takes you back towards your hometown. Yeah. So my other not so hot is um, is also very, very unfortunate news. Um, last week, last Tuesday evening, uh, paramedics, police, RCMP were called to the bypass that's right outside of Estevan, where I'm from. Um, and there was a fatality at that intersection. Now, I don't, I don't know the lady, um, but I do send my thoughts, um, out to, uh, to the family, um, and to everyone that was impacted by this very unfortunate i know she was known into the community so um so very very unfortunate what my problem is with this is this bypass is running right across highway 47 which is a very very main highway because it goes directly into estevan into the north end of the town and they put the stop sign on highway 47 and the bypass goes straight through. I understand a bypass is something to make, uh, you know, for truck drivers to go around quicker. But do you think that maybe this one time when you're putting on a bypass and you're putting on a stop sign on a highway that has been there for 
God knows how long and you're expecting everyone that has been driving this highway day after day after day. Do you think that maybe this would have been a better idea to put the stop sign on the bypass? Or you know what? Spend the extra couple dollars and do an overpass. I know it's expensive, but it's going to be the same situation that we have been dealing with with Highway 30, 39 from the Esteban to Weyburn to Regina um, route. We see death after death after death. And I'm going to call out and say, the government of Saskatchewan, how many fatalities, how many people are we going to have to see get killed at this intersection like we have been on Highway 39 until you finally decide to do something about it? One of those situations where you always hear of infrastructure projects being promised and promised, but eventually you you need that action to take place. So, Brady, maybe you can have uh, something to lighten up the mood a little bit. What uh, this time around is your hot and your not so hot? Well, you know, we'll just we'll finish off the knots and then and then we'll get into get into my hot. So, not this week. And this was an article I saw a little while back, but it was actually about my local uh, MP from back home in Manito- Manitoba, Candace Bergen, who uh, quote respectfully disagreed with a number of rulings that came down from the Supreme Court of Canada uh, about mid-last month. And they were regarding some of the quote-unquote tough-on-crime bills that the former Conservative government had passed and had since been challenged and now struck down by the Supreme Court. Now, uh, to be fair, Ms. Bergen is not the first, uh, nor will probably be the last MP to, quote, respectfully disagree. Um, But... I'm just getting sick and tired of MPs doing this. And, uh, like, just their attitudes towards the Supreme Court, it almost seems as if they think that as elected officials they are superior to that court. And that is not how our system works. We have three branches of government for a reason, and they keep each other in check. The judiciary is one of them. And, like, again, a little bit biased, obviously, because of being a law student, But these people who are appointed to the Supreme Court of Canada, whether you always agree with them or not, have practiced law their entire lives. They have been literally decades in this profession, and they are some of the brightest minds. And we probably also have one of the most progressive Supreme Courts or top courts uh, in, in the world, especially on certain issues. And they deserve a degree of respect. And you can not like their decision, but stop pretending that you know more or are higher up than them. Everybody's on the same playing field. We have checks and balances in for a reason. Let's just keep that in mind. Um, And you're hot this time. I'm just going to let you rant because this is quite entertaining. (laughs) (laughs) Matt, I think think it was just the agriculture thing that just set me off today. It just got you really worked up. (laughs) But... Um, you know, for the hot uh, this week, and it's actually a bit of an, an unfortunate situation itself, um, and we still don't know what's going to happen for sure. There's wildfires burning, burning currently uh, near Fort McMurray, Alberta, and uh, over 700 people have already been evacuated at the time we're recording this, and the fires are still very threatening uh, the city, and thoughts go to everybody out there, but just wanted to throw a big shout out to a all of the firefighters who are out there 
on the front lines, um, volunteer departments and otherwise, who are helping to battle this huge blaze and try to quite literally save the town. And uh, also just a cool thing I saw on Facebook this morning, one of the local radio stations, uh, normally overnight on a lot of radio stations, things are either pre-recorded or there's just nobody, they just play music. And this one morning show host came in yesterday on what was most likely his day off and broadcasted for I don't know how many hours. He didn't sign off the air till around 3 or 4 o'clock this morning, keeping people updated while the fire was moving, keeping them updated with evacuation orders and stuff. And from experience, that is such a tough job. You have so many people calling you, so many people angry, so many emotions. And to just have um, that kind of person there and just see people like that step up in situations like this and see people step up and offer places for evacuated people to stay and to help out pets and help out elderly family members it's 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 just really great to see people pull together giving the the recognition to the people who deserve it during uh, times of, of of struggle So that basically does it for this time around. But Kaylee, uh, we're going to be back and we're, we're going to be back with a few changes. Yes, In the News uh, is proud to slightly announce that we are we are growing, we're expanding, and we are doing some changes, but all for the better. Um, we will be in, uh, in a couple weeks, um, in two weeks to be exact. We'll be prom- uh, premiering our new version of our podcast. It'll be a little shorter, but it'll be coming more often. And then keep also your eyes open. I'm not going to tell you just yet, but we will be having more coming later in the month. So we'll keep you updated. We'll keep you posted about about our changes. Me and Brady are very excited to, uh, to see where this is going. Uh, once again, we thank you everyone for the support so far. Uh, The In The News team wants to send out another congratulations to Migration Media House and their recent premiere of the Exit Project. Uh, Definitely take the time to go check that out. Help support local talent. Uh, It's it's always worthwhile. Don't be like Earl's. You can follow us on on Facebook and on Twitter. Search for In The News YQR. Brady, can you contact us other ways? Um... Facebook, Twitter, make sure you subscribe. You can do that on our website, inthenewsyqr.blogspot.ca, or you can also subscribe on iTunes. But that will basically do it for this week. We will be back in two weeks' time. For now, I'm Brady Knight, alongside Kayla Gelman. Thanks for listening.